Welcome, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to be with you today. Uh, Before we get in the message, ushers, come on down. We're gonna take the offering. So uh, as they do that, allow me just to say thanks for giving church family, for participating in ministry. Uh, Your giving makes ministry happen. It makes a difference in the lives of our church family in our city and beyond. So thanks for participating in ministry. Thanks for worshiping through giving and for uh, uh, giving back to God what he has so graciously given to us. Uh, appreciate, Appreciate that. And uh, just one more quick announcement this morning. Tomorrow is the officially official summer kickoff for our young adult and college ministry, which uh, for some reason I am still uh, a part of. They haven't kicked me out yet, and I'm a broken down uh, (laughs) old 30-something. So uh, if you're in that post-high school, college 20s career age. We invite you to come join us tomorrow night for just a time together, bonfire, some burgers and snacks, and and just a chance to hang out together and look forward to this summer and what we're going to do as a ministry. And any of you graduating high schoolers, we invite you to come too and uh, enjoy that time with us and and, uh, see if you want to stick around and be a part of what we're doing. We'd love you to be there. So uh, you can find information on our church uh, website and on uh, Church Center, the app or the uh, website, you can find it there. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you guys today. I am. Um, I am extremely tired. I. Uh, I've been away for two weeks. I uh, one week of vacation, which I'm not gonna complain about. But then uh, this last week, uh, I was in Spokane, Washington, at our uh, denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance, our general council. Uh, so this is a big fun event where uh, pastors and leaders from all over the alliance in America, we come together and debate bylaws and polity changes and uh, have Robert's Rules of Order as we sit in this meeting with a couple thousand of us trying to like express our opinions but not like hurt each other's feelings and all that. It's, um, man, it's just, a, it's just a really fun event to get to be at and go through business meetings. And uh, no, it's a blast. And uh, we worship and do some other stuff to. But my flight got in. Uh, we landed at like 1230. And I think the time I rolled over to go to sleep and I put my phone down, it was 132 in the morning. And I had a 520 alarm wake up today. So I am, I am, uh, I am flying on Red Bull and the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. So I appreciate your prayers and um, yeah, and your grace today. I'm thankful to be alive, but thankful to be home as well. Uh, So thanks for sending me to council. I was there with uh, Pastor Scott and Diane for this week, uh, getting to represent our church and and our region together as we uh, had some important conversations as a denomination. And um, so uh, I appreciate that. All that to say, I'm tired, and uh, but at the same time, the Red Bull's kicking in, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, the, to, so today's message, we're kind of at the beginning of summer. Pastor Scott will be back next week, but uh, today's message isn't really connected to anything we've talked about or going to talk about. It's just kind of coming out of my own things that I've been thinking about in my mind, which I admit is a very confusing place and a very oftentimes um, dark place to wade into. It's weird up here. And, um, but this is just some things I've been thinking about. If you've been around our church or if you've heard me preach before, uh, I like to ask questions like, what are we doing? Why do we do it? All those sorts of things. So this has been churning 
in my mind for a few weeks, what we're talking about today. Three weeks ago, my wife Taylor and I, we got to spend the night. We went up to Montreal. We drove up and back. We didn't spend the night up there. We went to go see one of our favorite musical artists play up in Montreal three weeks ago. It was great. Wonderful show. Powerful experience. Um, I won't speak for her, but I was deeply moved by uh, the performance when we were there together. This is only the third uh, show, musical, live musical performance, I've been to since COVID hit and shut things down. Um, last summer was the first show I had gone to. I went to one in the winter and then to one now, which is a shame because I am a musician. I grew up playing music. I played in bands in high school and college. I played guitar and bass. We were playing out shows in front of a couple dozen people or, uh, you know, <laughs> one time I think there was four people. One time there was like 500 people. That was pretty sweet. Uh, but that was one time. <laughs> and not for us. But uh, I've, I've played on worship teams and churches. I have friends who are professional musicians that get a paycheck. Not like, hey, here's a couple bucks. Thanks for coming. But like taxes getting taken out. And um, I just, I've grown up going to playing music, watching music. It's something I, I love and enjoy and I'm passionate about. I love being in the room when a, when a musician or an artist kind of blesses us with their gift and pours out the emotion and creativity on the people in that room. And I have missed being in those rooms the last few years. So we went to this uh, show a few weeks ago and it was powerful. And after uh, a few years of missing out, uh, have gotten to experience a couple of those moments. Many of you in this room have experienced the power of music in your life. Whatever your particular taste may be, whether it's rock uh, metal, indie, organs, uh, kids bop. We've had too much kids bop in my house. Uh, or maybe this morning uh, you've experienced the power of music. You've been moved by a piece of music before. I know you have. This music is powerful, and that's not an accident. In fact, music is so powerful that it's one of the primary expressions that God asks us to use in our worship and devotion to him. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, as Trevor mentioned a few minutes ago. Music, worship, why music is, why we use music to worship God, why it's important, what it means, and all that stuff. Um, that nowhere in the Bible does it say, thou shalt sing to God. It doesn't say that anywhere. And yet the Bible assumes that worshiping God through music, singing to him is something that we are doing as God's people. There are countless places in the Bible where music is used to worship God and where we are encouraged by God to use music to worship him. And 1,150 verses in the Bible makes reference to music or to a musical instrument. And if you just go to the Psalms, the book of Psalms, this is, the Psalms are really the hymn book of the Bible. There are 150 Psalms, and of them, 58 are specifically said to be set to a particular piece of music. And most scholars will agree that all of the Psalms were originally musical compositions. They are lyrics, they are hymns, they are songs. And 24 of those Psalms specifically mention praising God by the making of music. Uh, the last psalm, the way the book closes, Psalm 150, says this. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. 
Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. With our voices and with every instrument at our disposal, the harp, the tambourine, the guitar, the keyboard, the drums, the organ, the kazoo, we are to praise God by the making of music. And that's why we sing when we come together at church, to praise God by the playing of instruments and the singing uh, with our voices. Now, I I think we can agree for many of us, worship is not limited to music. There are um, other ways we worship God, but music is an indispensable and central part of how we worship God, both as individuals and together as the church. So I want to start by mentioning four reasons why I believe music is an important means of worshiping God. And the first of which is that music is emotional. Now, some of you might hear that and cringe a little bit. Um, Emotions are messy. It's true. Emotions can cloud our judgment. We can easily be led into fear. And it's really easy to mistake feeling our feelings for God and his voice or what we think he wants us to do. There's a very fine line in there. But music is emotional, or a better word might be, music is emotive. Music is a way that we can express and experience emotions. It's emotive. You know, we all have emotions, at least I think so. We all have emotions. You know, God has emotions. If you read the Bible, you read about God's emotions. It talks about God's anger and his sadness. It talks about his joy and his love, his jealousy and his longing. God has emotions. We are created in his image, as Genesis 1 says. We have emotions. We are not robots. Emotions are legitimate and essential part of being human. And, I think, an essential part of our faith. Now, saying that, I must also say we are not supposed to be slaves to our emotions, to let them drive our decisions and and our lives. The Bible says we should be slow to anger even though we feel anger. It says we should not fear even though we might feel fear. The Bible says we should rejoice always even when we feel anxious. We should not be slaves to our emotions, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't and don't have emotions. Ecclesiastes 3.4 says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Emotions have a proper place in our life. Emotions are good. There's time for them. So long as we don't become slaves to our emotions. And music being emotive, I think, offers us an opportunity to focus our emotions and to put those emotions in their proper place. You know, music can unlock things buried deep inside of us or just under the surface. And in the context of worship through music, we can lay those emotions at the feet of God and gain a proper perspective for those emotions while at the same time not being afraid to feel that feeling. And I think the Psalms offer us a great example of this, of feeling emotion 
expressing emotion, and yet somehow allowing it to find its proper place. In the Psalms, there's a tremendous amount of emotion that's expressed, poured out, confusion, fear, anxiety, joy, torment. For example, here's uh, Psalm 130. It starts with these words. The psalmist writes, this is a, a person writing to God. He says, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Out of the depths, the depths of what? Suffering and fear, the depths of my inner being, where my emotions live. It's an outpouring of emotion. The psalmist is feeling his feelings. Then a few verses later, the psalmist also writes these words in verse five of that same psalm. He says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. There's emotion poured out in the music of the Psalms, yet with good perspective, hoping and waiting in the Lord. God created us to have emotions, and when we worship him, he wants us to come with those emotions to him, and from those deep places in our being, worship him and wait on him. Music's emotive. It's emotional. The second reason I think music is an important part of worship is because music expresses more than words can. God is bigger than our words can express. Our words are limited. So we need to use every tool we have to express our worship to God. That includes words, but also includes work and prayer and silence and music most of you probably know the name Johann Sebastian Bach. He was a composer, German composer in the late Baroque period, 17th, 18th centuries. He lived. Johann Bach. During his life, he composed 1,128 pieces of music. I did some research this week and, and found that out of all 1,100 plus pieces of music he wrote, some just music, some even had words, none of the words used in his music he did not write any of them. He wrote no lyrics, no words. His music was set to other words sometimes. He didn't use any words to express anything, just music. Yet, as a little signature on many of his compositions, you'll find three little letters in the bottom. S-D-G. Sorry if that's a little blurry. S-D-G, Johann Sebastian Bach. S-D-G, it's Latin. Stands for the Latin word soli deo gloria, which means for the glory of God alone. In the year 1685, Johann Bach was baptized in St. George's Church in Eisenach, Germany. It's a church that 164 years previous, the great reformer Martin Luther had preached at. It's a church that sits just down the hill from the Wartburg Castle. And if you're unfamiliar, the Wartburg Castle is a place where Martin Luther, when he was on the run for his life for what he was doing, stirring up things in the church, was hidden for a year, took refuge. And during that year, Luther translated the Bible from uh, the original Greek into German for the first time, the language of the people they could read the Bible. By all accounts... Bach was a believer in the Lutheran tradition, 
signing his 1,100 plus pieces of music for the glory of God alone. That's not a nice little sentiment. It was his worship to God, even without words, but beautiful, skillful, intricate music. Music through which he was able to express more beauty and emotion than was possible for him with words. Music has that power. Third reason that music is uh, used in worship is that it unifies us. Well, it should unify us, I should say. Music is a shared experience, whether we're listening, whether we're singing, whether we're playing the instruments. Music is an experience that everyone in earshot shares. Even if the members of the band are playing different parts on different instruments, they make one song. And when we sing music, it allows us to hear and to say and to express together the same thing at the same time. It unifies us. Now, I know we all have different tastes and different preferences, and uh, we all have to get over that sometimes. Your preferences are fine, um, but it's our unity despite our preferences that God is after when we make music for him. Music has the incredible power to unite us across our preferences, our instruments, our vocal range. I appreciate those of you who can sing well and drown out my terrible voice. Our opinions, our ethnicities, our backgrounds, Music crosses every boundary to bring us together before God. Uh, when I was at general counsel this past week, there was, in the business meetings, I'd say there was probably 2,600 of us that were gathered in one, you know, big conference room to, to vote on stuff, to debate, to follow Robert's rules, to uh, have discussion and um, a lot of reason for division, discussing budgets and changes and those sorts of things. Um, you know, it's an organization of 2,000 plus churches in the U.S., 700 missionaries. And you know how we started all those business meetings? We started with worship through music. Because God is worthy of our worship, yes. But also, I think, to unify us all coming with different opinions and thoughts and things we want to see done in the Alliance. The music got us all on the same page and reminds us, reminded us especially that week, where we stand before God. A, that none of us are God, and B, we all stand together before him. And that perspective is important. So even if we were to disagree on the particulars of the business, we still were able to agree in who we worship and where we stand before him. And that gives us unity in our diversity of our opinion, of our interpretation, whatever else. Making music together unifies us. Nelson Mandela said these words. He said, music is a great blessing. It has the power to elevate and liberate us. It sets people free to dream. It can unite us to sing with one voice. Such is the value of music. Music unifies us. Well, it, it should unify us. It could put us in a posture before God of awe and remind us of our commonplace before him. 
Music also unifies us across a diversity of cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds, and it can help us to celebrate that in each other, celebrate our diversity and find unity in that. You know, music is often born out of culture, whether it's a particular ethnic culture or historic you know, time in history, music is born out of culture. And hearing music from other cultures helps us to experience and better understand uh, that particular culture and helps us to get to know one another, even especially when we come to worship in style much different than our own. It helps us experience that unity across diversity. We get a glimpse in the book of Revelation of this. John, the author of Revelation, is given a vision of heaven, and he's writing everything down, and in chapter 7, he sees this picture. Here we go. It says this, after I look, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every tribe, every nation, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. There's incredible diversity, uncountable peoples from every nation and tribe and language and people all standing in the same place before the throne. All right, same level. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. So this incountable multitude of people from a diverse background and culture and, and, and skin color and food preferences and languages and all those things were together in the same place, singing the same words, saying them to God, worshiping him, crying out with one voice, diverse, yes, but unified. When we worship with people who are not like us, we get to experience this little slice of heaven. Uh, in 2017, I was in Germany, in Berlin, visiting uh, this mission center there in Berlin and some of our Alliance uh, international workers who uh, work there. And this center, uh, their goal is to work with the Middle Eastern refugees who have come to the city of Berlin. And there's a, a, a good number of them there. So they're there to minister to um, these refugees. And on Sunday evenings, at least at that time, the uh, Arabic church would meet there in the evenings, and it was a group of 25 to 30 people at the time when I visited. So uh, here I am, this white, freckled American guy uh, in Germany, worshiping with uh, these displaced peoples from Syria and Palestine and, and Jordan and, and beyond in Arabic. <laughs> they had sermons and prayer. They had lyric slides and songs. They do what we do, except in Arabic, with different music, different style. So I went into that service feeling very much like an outsider, like, oh, I don't know what's going on, what they're saying, and you know, you kind of feel weird in those settings. But after a couple songs, it, that kind of melted away. And in my experience there that week, I was able to kind of get lost in the moment in a musical style I wasn't familiar with, and a lyrics I couldn't read on the screen or understand what was being said, but knowing along with my brothers and sisters, that we were there together worshiping the Lord. And then the fourth song they sang was a, a song, an English song that they had translated into Arabic, a song I knew. I don't remember what the song was, but I remember singing in English alongside while they were singing in Arabic. That was a really special moment to be able to do that. It was a profound moment for me of unity and diversity because of the power of music. 
Music does that, unifies us. Excuse me. And the fourth reason that uh, music is an important part of how we worship God is because, very simply, God likes it. He likes it. God is creative, right? He's the original artist. He created this world and this universe. He made us in his image. And part of that means that we have this creative capacity as well to make beautiful things like he does. You know, when God was instructing King Solomon in the book of Second Chronicles to build him a temple, he instructed him to hire people who are skilled in working with gold and silver to make beautiful, ornate decorations for the temple. The temple was shining with gold and, and silver and cedar, and there were lampstands and pomegranates and vines, and he didn't want a bland temple. He said, hire artists to come and make a beautiful, skillful, creative temple. God likes beautiful things. And I think the same goes for our music. He likes when we create and use our creativity to give him glory. Psalm 33, it says this. In the first three verses. It says, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him with the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Sing a new song. Write him a song. Play skillfully. This word in Hebrew, skillfully, basically just means do it good. Make it pleasing, skillfully. God enjoys the beautiful things and the beautiful sounds that we can make for his glory. This music is special. It's a precious gift that we've been given and that we can and should use for the praise and glory of God. He's good, and he's deserving of our greatest skill and attention and creativity and the, what it can express beyond our words. Music unlocks it, and it touches our emotions and, and brings them to God. It, it expresses what words fail to. Music, it uh, can unify us before God, and, it, and music pleases God just because music is beautiful. It's awesome. Worshiping God through music is an important thing. It's an essential thing. You should never neglect it. And that's why we sing when we get together. We don't do it for fun, even though it is fun. We don't do it uh, to put on a concert, even though we want to make sure we do it well and skillfully, as Psalm 33 says. We do it because God is worthy. And the making of music and singing together has a profound effect on each of us, individually and as a church family. Now, I have to mention, too, there are some pitfalls and problems that we uh, humans tend to fall into when it comes to music and worship. There's some mindsets and things that, uh, unfortunately, uh, we find ourselves in and need to be careful to avoid. Because, you know, like any good thing, we humans tend to, tend to gunk it up a little bit. So uh, let me just mention three, three problems we tend to create when it comes to music and worship. First problem is that we often mistake our preference for God's preference. We like what we like. And I know for myself, I tend to think that what I like is better than what you like. 
My opinions mean more to me than yours do. Sorry, but that's just kind of how we work, right, as humans. For instance, uh, I'm sorry if this offends you. I really am, but I never really uh, understood why people like the TV show The Big Bang Theory. It was never my preference. I didn't find it funny. I've tried. It's just not my thing. And, and, uh, and yet, like, I, 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 you know, I have strong opinions about it. But at the same time, this show is like the most Emmy-winning, uh, well, most watched, highest-rated sitcom of like the last 20 years. And here I am thinking I know better, right? We like what we like. Our preferences, we prefer our preferences. But oftentimes, we, we get in this mindset where we think our preferences are the right preference, and dare I say, God's preference. We do that with music in the church. Some of you might be part of the hymns only crowd. We should only sing hymns. Let's just get out those hymn books and turn to hymn uh, 179 and sing whatever hymn that is, right? Uh, And I've heard that crowd, if that's you, say things like, oh, the, the theology in the hymns is so much more robust and beautiful and substantive. It's more meaningful than the hymn. When we sing hymns, no one is uh, singing a uh, more important part than anyone else because we're all singing the same thing at the same time. We'd, there's no performance in it. We love hymns. We should only sing hymns. And then I've got my contemporary music-only crowd who's like, let's, let's bust out those drums, right? It's hymns are, you've, I've heard you see things like uh, hymns are old, they're tired, they're stale, we need a new kind of music. Uh, this is the music of our time, so let's use it to worship God. These songs connect more with young people, whatever. Contemporary songs only, woo! And the truth is, you're both right and you're both wrong. To think our particular preference is what God's preference is, is silly, short-sighted, and probably a little arrogant. Let's bring out of the storehouse treasures new and old to worship our God. He delights in our musical offering as long as we do it with love and sincerity towards him, whatever, whatever preference it is. Our preferences are not God's preferences. Second problem that we run into is mistaking emotion for God, his word, his call, what he's saying to us. Music is emotive, right? It's emotional, it's powerful, and it's easy to get lost in your own feelings and forget to direct uh, our musical expression to God. Music digs in our soul and it draws out what's under the surface and it's easy to mistake those feelings for God's presence or word or call or however you want to phrase it. You know, a number of years ago, I was still a youth pastor, um, I, I always said youth ministry would be so wonderful if it wasn't for parents. <laughs> parents, I want you to hear that genuinely from me. No, I'm sure you're all great. But I had this one mom during a particular season who no matter what I did or said or planned or whatever game we played or whatever, she was pouncing. Nasty emails and calls and all those sorts of things. And uh, I was constantly looking over my shoulder because I knew she's ready. <laughs> no matter what I do, I am, uh, I am getting some sort of something from this woman. And uh, it was a really hard time. During that time, I was, um, I was at a worship event at another church. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, I wasn't thinking about those things. You know, I went in ready to worship. I'm like excited. I'm with some friends. And we're going to worship. And... Uh, started singing and I, I clearly very quickly was not present. And the music started, it did that thing where music digs in and pulls out those emotions that are deep within and all I could think about that whole hour and a half or so was, 
the fear and the anxiety and the problems and my mind was turning. What am I going to do? If she does this, I'll do this and that, you know, and I was making these plans and yet here's my mouth moving, saying the words that we're supposed to be directing to God and, and all I'm doing is thinking about my thing. This music pulls out emotions. It was so obvious to one of the people I was with, they took me aside afterwards. I was like, man, what is going on? It's easy to get lost in the, that emotive thing, the emotive nature of music, and turn our attention inwards rather than upwards towards the object of who we worship. Third problem that we run into with music uh, is, for some of us, it's all too easy to take emotion totally out of it and make worship an intellectual exercise. Saying the right words equals worshiping the right way. There's no room for emotion. God is, it's ordered and logical and we have to say the right things and not allow it to get all messed up by uh, what we feel. But is God not emotional or is he not the God of our emotions? Does he not want our whole self to be present with him? And that, if that's you, you can't tell me that when we sing songs like It Is Well With My Soul, this beautiful hymn that expresses such great truth, you can't tell me that you don't get goosebumps every time you sing that song. I've been in this room when we've sung that song, and man, the goosebumps, (laughs) every single time. Worship is, it's not an intellectual exercise. Sure, that's a part of it but it's an offering of our whole being unto our creator and redeemer who redeems our body, our soul, our hearts, and our minds. We should be careful not to reduce worship and music simply to emotion or simply to intellect. Either either way, we're holding something back from our God. That's he wants. He wants all of you. All of you for all of him. And music has the power to dig deep, dig deep into what we feel and what we believe. And and it's a tool we can use to express our love to God in balance. What we believe and what we feel directed towards our God. Uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to close with a song in a moment. But as these guys come back up on stage, I've uh, asked them if they would share a little bit with us today, because who better to talk about music and worship than the people who uh, lead us in music and worship? Thank you, sir. Uh, So we've got some members of our team. These guys are going to lead us in one final song. And um, I've asked them if they would share a little bit about their experience with music and answer this question for me and for us. The question they're going to answer is, what impact has music had on your faith and how you worship God? So, um, whenever you guys are ready. You ready? Trevor's ready. Um, Bodie's first. This is Bodie. Say hi, Bodie. Hi, everyone. Now, uh, Bodie's going to answer this question for us. What impact has music had on your faith and how you worship God. And correct me if I'm right, Bodhi, you're studying music in college right now. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So take that and uh, tell us a little bit. Um, Well, it's loud. (laughs) Hi. Um, For me, music is everything. I mean, I grew up in a very musical family. My mom was a music teacher as well as the local uh, worship pastor at our church. So I really can't imagine my life 
without music. I think it's the reason I'm studying it, but when it comes to worship, it's the thing that I turn to in every situation. It's the thing that's kept me on my walk. Um, really, if I'm feeling down or I'm at college and I'm feeling pretty anxious, it's the thing I turn to, worship music. In the car, blasting it while Blaine's singing on, and way better than I am, but you know, that's how it is. Thanks, Bodie. I'm just going to talk into this mic now, Jacob, just FYI. Uh, this is Blaine. Say hi, Blaine. Uh, I was with at council a friend whose name is Blade, so I was like, Blaine, 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 don't say Blade. Uh, Blaine, same question. Uh, tell us about the impact music has had on your faith and how you worship God. Um, so for me, music has always been a part of my life as well, as like Bodhi said, but kind of in a different way. Um, when I was really young, I some of my first memories, my dad was a reggae DJ. <laughs> so I remember like messing around on my dad's turntables. There was always music blaring at my house. Um, and so I've always just like had this connection to music, but um, I hadn't gone to church or uh, met Jesus um, until I was a freshman in high school. Um, I went to church for the first time. Um, I was expecting, I had only gone to a Catholic like church before um, for like funerals and like midnight mass on uh, Christmas Eve. But um, I went that first time and it was, this was nothing what I was expecting. Um, and just something about it really drew me in. Um, and I just felt this call to be a part of a ministry um, as, and I want to be on this team. I never thought I would, but here I am. <laughs> I um, hadn't, I had been in choruses forever, um, but I hadn't ever, like, done anything worship until two years ago on Christmas Eve. I don't know if you guys remember, we had, like, a chorus up here. That was my very first time ever on the stage, um, and just since then, I found so much love and ministry in this team, um, making music with people who love Jesus and uh, just want to have a family is something that... You know, it's you can't take that for granted. It's amazing, um, and so music just is amazing and connects us all through every type of situation. And that's kind of what it is for me. Uh, this is Kara. Hi, Kara. <laughs> now, Kara, you're a music teacher. And you were uh, formerly the worship leader at North Avenue Alliance Church that we are now, um, you know, one church, two locations. So uh, tell us a little bit about how uh, the impact of music on your faith and how you worship. Well, yes, I've been in involved in music and worship in churches for basically all of my life. It's super important to me. In my faith, really, it simply gives voice to what's in my heart. Like Matt was talking about the emotions that we have. It gives voice to the deepest part of me and my soul. My joy, my sorrow, my praise, my worship, my thanks. Uh, in a beautiful and profound way, I can express what I'm feeling. And it helps me just to set my gaze on God in a different way than anything else. I can set my gaze on him. But the amazing thing is it's not just about me and God. It's about us and God, right? And... Together when we worship, I, it gives me so much joy to be able to worship with you. Uh, it says in scripture that God dwells, that he lives in the praise of his people. And so I believe that something really big and powerful and beautiful and even 
mysterious happens when we are worshiping God together. So that's a really big and important part of my faith journey. And also, when those, when those emotions aren't there, your praise carries me, and my praise carries you in a way maybe we can't do on our own. So I think that is a really big and amazing thing. Thanks, Kara. Uh, and you guys know Trevor. Trevor, same question, bud. I'll keep mine short because I know Bobby's going to go after me. <laughs> but hey, I've, I've said enough about how music has connected me to this church. You've all heard me say that plenty. So what I want to say is how it's connected me to all of you. Um, what I always say is God gave me music not as a talent, not as a skill, but as a language. Uh, you, know, you all know how you feel. Maybe you took French or Spanish or Japanese in high school or something, right? And, and your teacher will force you into a conversation with somebody and you're like, well, I don't even know, I don't even know how, to, how to speak this. I don't know how to communicate with you or connect to you. And uh, that's basically, music has made me, sitting in ninth grade Joe Ganillo's English class, um, feel like that, right? And, and music is that higher level of communication that it, it's just helped me connect not only to the church, not only to the world around me, but to all of you. And, and for God to give me a communication method like that to just show so much, to feel so much emotion, uh, it's just such a beautiful thing. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, Bobby. Come out of the shadows, brother. Now, um, you see how the numbers are red at the top there, you know, okay. <laughs> Don't let that stop you, though. Don't let it stop you. It won't. It won't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I need that. Take, <laughs> can you guys hear me? Can you hear me? Our online people need All this. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know that it's a beautiful Sunday, summer day, or spring day, and I'm not going to keep you guys too long. But when Trevor asked me to do this on Wednesday, I said, how am I going to tell my life story in 60 seconds, man? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to share with you three pillars of my life. Ever since I was about 17 years old, my life has been God and music. Um, I started out in Detroit with my two brothers. We formed a band in Detroit, and uh, we were supposed to be, you know, like Motown, soul singers, you know, Risa Franklin and that type of thing. And we loved all those artists like everybody else did. But we decided to break the norm and we wanted to play hard drive in Detroit rock and roll. And uh, my brother David, to his credit, um, he's with the Lord right now. And I know he's with the Lord. He's, he's actually with us, still guiding us. But David was obsessed with putting God with music. I mean, we were right on the end of the, should I say, where they, in the early 60s and the late 50s, some of you older people like me remember where they said rock and roll was the music of the devil, pop music was the music of the devil, and, you know, you got really ridiculed for it. And, you know, what happened with us was we made this incredible album. David decided to change, well, decided to call our, the name of our band Death. And uh, this is one of my stalwarts right here, this album. This is the album 
This is David, my brother. And, uh, you know, me and Dennis, we didn't really know what was going on at the time. We, we were kind of scared of the name ourselves. <laughs> Everybody was scared of the name. We couldn't get a record contract. We couldn't get gigs. We could not get booked. I mean, this transcended race. It transcended opinion. The name of your band is Death. Get out of here. Okay? We couldn't get arrested for this, band, for this name in Detroit. And if some of you know my story here, they, they made a documentary about us called A Band Called Death. We moved here in 1977, basically because we wanted new terrain. We had a, a relative who lived here. This was a great college town. We settled here. We came here with nothing really but some master tapes. And, uh, you know, we tried to do the death thing here, and we, we got the same reaction we got in Detroit and everywhere else. <laughs> so David and I, we changed the name of the band to The Fourth Movement. And we made this album right here in Vermont. And it's a Christian album. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a testimony. I mean, the name of the songs, Revelations Eve, Always at Your Door, Hoping You Bless Me Once More, The Christ in You, Seeking the Life That's To Be, The Build Up, You'll Never Go Wrong, He Even Reigns Today, Don't You Think Your Life Is Worth It, Life Without End, which was David's favorite song, Key to Paradise, Love and Music, Jesus, Please Come. We made this record. And this record... It got about accepted as much as death did, not because of the name, but now because Jesus was in it. Okay? So, we got a little frustrated. David went back to Detroit. He wanted to carry us back with him, but me and Dennis had started families. That was hard to do. So, we ended up getting jobs, working at the University of Vermont, going to school at night, and I became a radio DJ on WRUVFM. And I met some wonderful people, and one of them was a, was a young man by the name of Jay Strouser who was promoting reggae. Me and Dennis didn't have nothing but bass and drums, so we decided, hey, to check it out. And uh, we met a few of the reggae artists. We did a few of the reggae shows, you know, just as helping, you know, and, and, and th that type of thing, helping out backstage. And we just we, we realized that this music, the college kids were loving it, Hey, we, this is all we got is bass and drums. So we formed a reggae band. And out of that reggae band, this is where a lot or a number of you probably come into my story. Because in 1986, I started a reggae festival in Burlington, Vermont. This is the other pillar of my life. This book just came out last month. And ironically... It's called The Power of Music, the Vermont Reggae Festival, the first five years in Burlington, Vermont. And we made this festival free because all throughout my Detroit years, we included God into our music. David's concept about death was, was really not the dark death, the gruesome death. It was about God. It was about the afterlife. And then we do this, this reggae music. Me and my brother Dennis played reggae. We got popular here. We did this reggae festival for five years in Burlington. And it grew from 500, a mere 500 people in 1986 to over 40,000 people in 1990 at North Beach Park. Okay? 
And the main thing is, is that Tuna, who was a professor at the University of Vermont and, and, and an awesome, wonderful friend, he's with the Lord as well. When I came to him with this concept, I said, Tuna, let's make it free to the public. Let's make it available to everybody. And he says, free? Why, why not, you know, free? And he says, what we, how could we base this on? Well, I said, you know what? We come from the Woodstock era. You know, remember Woodstock. And we come from the Civil Rights era where we remember the March on Washington. And remember the Sermon on the Mount? It was free. And Tuna was on board. And we, I'll never forget that day. He says, this will be the ticket price. <laughs> you don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. So what I want to say to you guys, music is a part of my life. It's a part of my future. It's a part of my now. And I've been on this incredible, incredible journey. And I told these guys that there's no way I could tell this story in 60 seconds. <laughs> But I just want to tell you that God is with each and every one of us. And if you have hopes and dreams, 40 years later, we come to find out that this record or this music is being listened to by people all over the world. And we never even knew it. And when I came to this church in, two, in uh, 2001, Tammy was still pregnant with my, our youngest son, Jared. And I had met Pastor Scott, I met Diane, Al, Ron, and when this happened, they were, they were all a part of this when this happened. And uh, it's just, for me, it's, it's just a testimony. You know what? I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to leave you with this. Everybody feared our name, Death. We couldn't get anything just because we were a rock and roll band named Death. Don't fear Death. Fear the life that's unlived. Fear the promises that's unkept. Fear the time that you didn't spend. Fear the times that you didn't forgive. Fear the love that you didn't withhold or that you withheld. Don't fear death because death is Jesus. That's when you see Jesus. God bless you. Bobby, are you selling merch out in the lobby after this? And sign <laughs> no, we have we oh, I, we need a, just a Bobby hour. I think we're just sit and listen. And man, um, I want you guys to know it's kind of we come back together um, during the first service. The other half of the of the team shared. So you guys got uh, these guys sharing today. And Trevor and I were talking this week about, hey, can we have the musicians kind of answer a question and share a little bit? I was thinking, yeah, maybe two or three of them. But all these guys jumped on the opportunity and just said, I have to share this. That experience of music and faith and how that, how we come together before God and worship him in that. These guys, uh, thankful for you. Um, this is not a, a message about like worshiping music. Like, I hope you don't get that impression. Like music is not God or anything like that. But it is a tool God has given us, a beautiful tool, an expression that he has given us to bring before him as we express our love and thanksgiving and joy that we have in him. 
And that's something worth noting and talking about because God is good. He is present. He is faithful. He is love. And he deserves us to return all those things back to him. And music is an important tool for that. So we're going to sing this last song and then I'll come back and we'll, we'll finish up. Um, we'll get you out of here in time for lunch. <laughs> um, uh, but as we sing this last song, I just want to encourage you in a couple ways. Number one is let music do its work. Don't be afraid to feel some feelings. Let it pierce the shell and dig up a little something. Now, don't get lost in that. But as you sing, don't be afraid to feel. And then somehow as you sing, bring those emotions into their perspective before God. And as we sing, we're going to sing words, actual words that have actual meaning. Think about those words, meditate on them, contemplate them, mean them when we say them. And let's try to find that balance between the expression of the emotion of music and the, the intellect of the words that's come together. So during this last song, let's strike that balance well as we use this wonderful tool to sing and praise uh, our God who loves us so much. So team, would you lead us and church, would you stand?
stay standing for a sec. I won't talk long, I promise. God is worthy of our music. He deserves us to make music about him and for him, to use our voices and our instruments to show him how much we love him. But do you want to know something really mind-blowing? Let me read this verse from Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God loves you so much that he would sing. Rejoice with singing about you over you for the love that he has for you. He sings over you. The Bible says he sings over you. He loves when we make music for him, but he loves you and sings over you. What a beautiful God we have who gave us this gift of music to express our love for him, but our music is just a return of the music he sings over us. It's not a one-way street with our God. He doesn't just sit and receive and look upon us. He gives freely and abundantly his love, his being, his care, and his expression of that to you by the Holy Spirit, by the death and resurrection of Jesus, by his singing over you. You are deeply loved by God and he rejoices over you with singing. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for music and just the beauty of it and what it does for us as human beings. It gives us a way to express, like Trevor said, a language 
powerful language. But more than that, Lord, that you, that you make music over us, you sing over us. What love you have. So God, I hope that uh, our imperfect music as we try our hardest to sing in key or to strum the right strings on the guitar or hit the right keys on the keyboard, the squeaks some of us make with our, uh, our uh, saxophones or when we get out of rhythm on our drums. <laughs> we, we know you love that when we do it for you. So Lord, we pray our imperfect expressions oh, that you would uh, rejoice in those because your people rejoice in you. Thank you, mighty warrior who saves and who sings over us. Thank you for the gift of yourself, of music. And we hope that our gift back to you is worthy. Thank you, God. In Christ's name, amen. Amen, church. It's been a joy to spend the morning with you. God bless you as you go. We'll see you soon.